Okay. We are so grateful that you are here this morning. If you decide to be with us, knowing that you have so many options in town, this is a blessing. And we want that you enjoy the experience of worship with us. Now, I just want to announce that we are having baptism March when? 24th. What? I don't, geez, I just tw had it. Tw 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 24. No, no, you keep that one. March 24th, 24. Palm Sunday. Okay, there we go. I'm going to change my voice now with the mic. <laughs> March 24th. We want to hear your voice, Armando. No, no. No, we are, good. We, we are having baptism March 24th. Now, go for it. Yes. Go for it. Don't be shy. Now, every good moment in life needs a great celebration and needs a testimony, right? When you love someone and you want to go engage, what you do? And the, the propose what it is. A great celebration that you are bringing family together, you are bringing friends, and later you take your picture, you post on Facebook, and you show everyone that you love this person and, and you want to be with this person forever. Baptism is similar, right? You love the Lord and you want to show everyone, you want to give the testimony that you want to be with the Lord forever. And in front of your people, in front of your church, in front of your family, you are saying, I am not from, I'm not living my life. I am living the life that the Lord wants that I live. And it's the same with, with, with kids, with weddings, with, with engagement, everything you, you want to celebrate. And we want to celebrate with you in March 24. And if you are ready to take the next step. Now, the question is, is this what is the age that you can be baptized? Oh, I was just thinking the same thing. What if I'm? What if I think I'm too old? What? Yeah, yeah. What? What is the? Age? Are you asking me? Yes, you cannot be baptized if you oh. are too old or what. I think if you're older than like a hundred and twenty. Yeah, hundred and twenty. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, then that's. Do probably... we have someone here with hundred and twenty years? That'd be crazy. Uh, no. No, you are never too old to be baptized. Okay. No, that's the amazing okay. not truth. Not matter the age, not matter where you come from, not matter what is your background, uh, you can be baptized and you can show the world how, how much you love your Lord. Now, I want to invite you to stand up one more time. Don't go down. <laughs> and continue watching together. Yes, yes. Thank you, Armando. Yes, and we're actually going to have a baptism info meeting after the service. Just look for me. I'll be somewhere over here. And a lot of people ask me, if, okay, if I come to this meeting, does this mean I'm getting baptized? And the answer is no. We have people all the time come, hear more about it, and say, you know what? No, now is not the best time. And that's okay. So even if you're just a little bit interested, whether you're a believer in Christ or not, we would love to have you come and hear more about baptisms. That's how strongly we feel about it. Also, I just want to invite anybody, if anybody else is ready to, to step forward, we've got some seats up here. We've got some room. We got some room. Come forward. Awesome. We're excited to have you guys here. All right, but you guys are here to sing. We're here to worship, so let's worship. From the moment that I rise, I got blue skies. Chasing down those storm clouds in my way. There's a joy uncompromised over my life. And everything starts with me giving thanks. Give them thanks. And the overflow of a grateful soul It unlocks the door and lets praises roar I can't God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what we believe. We 
thank you for your truth. We thank you for your faithfulness, God. That when we face adversity, we know we can believe in you. We thank you for your faithfulness. God, we thank you for everything you're doing in Honduras and how you're using us to be a part of that. I see your hand, we pray. Amen. I want to invite up our Honduras team that just got back last week. You guys can have a seat. We're going to take some time out of our service this morning to worship and hear about God's faithfulness in everything that he's done, not just here in Columbus, not just in Ohio or even in the United States, but from what I hear from them, I've only heard bits and pieces. It sounds like God is doing a lot of things all around the world. Hello. Oh, there we go. Good morning, everyone. Uh, if you haven't met me or heard me talk about this for the 4,000th time, I'm uh, Rachel Bidwell, and I work with Carrie, who is always hiding right there, uh, to help organize uh, the trips. And unfortunately, I didn't get to go on this last one. Carrie kindly led the trip. I had a lot of FOMO, so I'm real excited to uh, hear about everything. Um, and so I just uh, want to start with, we had quite a few people that hadn't been before, and so we wanted to kind of start with some stories from them and what touched their heart and you know, what they learned. So I'm going to head down that way, I think. And you guys have, sorry, we have a mic. I have a mic. Is it on? Hello. Yes, there we are. I'm Jeff Haynes. Uh, this was my first trip to Honduras, and it was an amazing trip. If you ever get the chance or the inkling, I would encourage you highly to sign up. Sign up and go. Just do it. Um, while I was there, I had a chance to meet six of my kids that I sponsored. One of them had dropped out of the program, but I had taken gifts down to pass out to the kids as I went out for the home visit. Um, that being said, Nate went down, and his kid had dropped out of the program. And while he was there, he had the opportunity of picking up a couple of more sponsored kids. Well, I said to Nate, I said, he's going to have a chance to go visit these new sponsored kids. I had things for a child that wasn't in the program. I said, why don't you just take some of the things that I have and take them to your kid when you go visit, when your kids. So I'll let Nate continue from there. Yeah, so my name is Nate. Um, and as Jeff was saying, uh, uh, there were two kids that I ended up picking up when we went down to Honduras. And one of the kids, his name is Esmiler. And um, his mom was telling us when we went down there that uh, he had been praying about a soccer ball that he wanted. So his birthday is on um, February 25th. And he, was, he had been praying for a soccer ball that he wanted. And Jeff just so happened to give me a soccer ball to give uh, to him. And it's just amazing to see how like God listens to even those prayers, that God is able to listen to the prayers that's going on in the Middle East and, and that he cares and, and listens to the prayers about a kid asking for a soccer ball that he's not limited in his resources. So I'm just grateful for that. But um, uh, to encourage everyone here that um, if you're able to, uh, to sponsor a kid, then go ahead and do that. But I know over the summer, there's an opportunity to uh, also help pack the backpacks that we're taking to Honduras. But if you're not able to do that, then the most important thing is to just pray. The kids pray for the team. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. I had not heard that story yet. So. Um, I don't even need to say anything else. I don't know why you're not leading this whole thing. Um, but I would like to hear, Joe, do you want to just talk about, like, visit with your kids and just, you know, make sure you get uh, My name is Joe. This was my first time. It was also Joyce's first time and Tim's and Nate's and Jeff's. One-year veteran, thousands-of-year veteran. <laughs> um, and 
the one few times that my heart melted in different ways. One, one of the kids we sponsor, a nine-year-old girl that Debbie picked out because she had, shares a name with her. And uh, we walked down the steep, slippery hillside to the main road. And I, maybe the mom said it in Spanish and I didn't pick up, but the little girl takes my hand and we walk hand in hand down the road to her house. And then the rest of the time we walked anywhere, she held my hand. In the house, the mom told me very quickly when I was asking about family that her mother had just died the week before. Her father uh, is a pastor and is depressed, and the, the, the mother of our girl is taking care of her father because he's grieving. And then on the walk back to the school, at the end of that visit, the 14-year-old brother said, because I had asked about the 14-year-old brother and the 4-year-old uh, sister if they were sponsored, and they are not. And he asked, and I forget the wording, but basically he would be so happy if I would sponsor him. And I made clear that I couldn't make promises. At age 14, he's pretty much going to age out. And when I asked about the Hondurans about that, it sounds like that might be the case. But I, we could sponsor the four-year-old. But I would say unsponsored kids get backpacks too, but they don't get letters. You give them a sticker and they smile, but it would be so nice for them to have somebody here sponsoring. And then just another thing about what we learned about packing the backpacks, because so many of you do that and will not ever get down there to see the end result, as we had not. Um, soccer ball for every boy, that's what the Honduran folks want, the Sowers folks. Doll for every girl. Can be small because fitting a big one in might not work. Focus on school supplies over toys. The kids love toys, but the Honduran folks want us to make sure that the backpacks have at least most of the things on their list for school. Water bottles, which I don't remember seeing on our list in the past. Every water, water bottle was in every backpack that we checked from other churches. That was one of our jobs later in the week. Maybe you could put stuff in the water bottle to save space. I don't know what the FDA would say about hygiene on that. <laughs> Shout out to Joyce for when I couldn't fit, a, a, if a backpack did not have a soccer ball and I couldn't fit it in, she broke all the things down, took off all the packaging, and by golly, that, that kid got a soccer ball in there that I would never have been able to manage. <laughs> and uh, bendable rulers. There you go. <laughs> Expect stuff to get crushed and mushed and smushed. Pack it with that in mind, because what I witnessed would say, yeah, the time it takes to get down there, and then what happens to it down there? Pack, don't put things in that might break. Bendable rulers seem like a great idea after I saw two of them. So. Actually, and then I'm just going to ask Carrie to quickly update us with Pastor Marvin and the church they're building. You saw that building with, like, no roof. Um, and then his daughter, Catherine, because we've been helping there as well. So, oh, you got one. so uh, we're helping him finish the walls for his church, and then next will be the roof. And then his daughter, Catherine, has autism, and we've been paying for her to go to therapy, and it's really helped. Just over the years that I've seen her, she's more, um, she can go to the bathroom on her own now, and um, she's going through therapy. My sister uh, went with us on the trip, and she's a child therapist. She was able to talk with the therapist and ask about the different therapies and stuff, and she's really improved. So uh, if you think whatever little bit you send, that $15 doesn't do anything, I think you just heard what all it can do. Um, there are still going to be opportunities to help, hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, with you know uh, the roof and putting that on and with Catherine. There's all sorts of opportunities. So 
please be praying. Please, um, you know, like you said, any little inkling or any little knocking at your heart store that you hear, please answer it because that's how I started however many years ago and I never believed I'd still be doing this. I thought it was a one and done and here I am. So, and same thing, you know, with Carrie and we've had people go multiple times and I hope everyone that went once wants to go again and would try and go again. Um, so, um, there'll be some more information about signing up for the trip, but even more importantly, like you said, sponsoring the kids, you can go to mylcc.info. I just did it on my phone quickly to make sure I was telling you the right things. Super easy. Click some buttons, pick some cute kids. Um, and really that's it. Brett, do I have time to pray real quick? Yes, you do. Okay. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this team that was able to go down and take our love all the way down there. Thank you for the sours and what they started however many years ago and that we were able to, you know, find them and meet them and, and partner with them and to build this relationship with Pastor Marvin and Arenales and the people there. We love you so much and we ask your blessing going forward planning these trips and that we're able to continue that relationship for a long time to come. Amen. I believe that, Father. We thank you. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. Well, good morning. It's really good to, uh, to be with you. Welcome to, to everyone, uh, especially those of you that may be with us for the first time or um, um, still with us. We, are, um, we don't normally meet in our lobby. Um, we're excited to the work that God's continuing to do to restore our facility, um, and we'll be, uh, we'll be back on the other side of that wall um, very soon. So my name is Tom. I'm the, the teaching pastor here at Life Community Church, and, uh, and we've been in a series called First Things First, Okay. First things first, and we're going to be in Genesis chapter 2 here in just a minute. If you've got a Bible and want to turn there, it'll be on the screens for you if you don't. Um, but uh, Genesis chapter 2, which is where we were last week. Um, but I, I want to just start this morning by saying, like, there's a lot of ground to cover, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of jump in here, but by, I'm going to jump in by saying um, life has all kinds of experiences, right? Like this, I, in talking with this team that, that, that went to Honduras, I know um, it was interesting in hearing some of the different stories, particularly from those, from those who maybe hadn't been there before, um, just when it comes to like, like excitement for the trip, but excitement mixed with some hesitation, right, about the, some of the travel and some of the things that they would experience that they hadn't been through before. And life has all kinds of experiences like that, right? Some experiences, we anticipate them coming, and we anticipate them coming in like a negative way, right? Like a test is, a big test is coming up, exams. I know we got some folks, uh, some, some of our college students back from um, uh, spring break and had midterms, like that's coming and ugh, right? We get to, you know, we get to a certain, certain age and the doctor says, you know, the, the, the colonoscopy word, right? And it's coming and we don't, I'm not excited about that, but like, yeah, you got to do it, right? It's, it's an experience we, we, we have. It's, it's, it's something that we don't look forward to. There's the, but there's those that are good too, right? Like bonus time is coming at, at work, right? Like maybe for some of you who get those kinds of things. Um, but bonus time is coming and it comes in or, or vacation is coming up and, and we're looking forward to that. But, but what we find with most of life is that, um, is that it's, it's kind of mixed, right? It's kind of mixed. Um, and, 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 and there's, there's a little bit of this and a little bit of that in, in a lot of our experiences. Um, and, and so, you know, I think about, um, I think about like that first time you're standing in line for like the big kid roller coaster, right? 
You know, remember that feeling? We're like, I want to do this. This looks fun, but also like, I'm not sure and I'm a little anxious about it. Okay. Um, for, for some of us, it's like, you know, if you switch schools or maybe the, that first, those first days of college where you've gone away to college and now like it's time to go to, to a meal and you really don't know anybody and you've got your tray of food and you're worried about like everything in the world. Okay. Like, it's good, it's an exciting time, but it's mixed in with some anxiety. And, and I'm just going to tell you this. I tell you all of that to say this morning, we're going to talk about men, women, gender, sexuality, and I am having, like, a mixed experience up here, okay? Um, there are so many things that are just so potent and so powerful, right? But there's also an awful lot of baggage that we bring to this conversation, Okay? Um, I, I'm excited because I think the scripture speaks plainly and it gives, us, it gives us important things to hang on to when it comes to how God made us, okay, and, and, and the world that he's put us in. Um, but at the same time, there's an awful lot of things here that are culturally volatile, right? Like there's, there's ideas that are, that are handed over to us or that are passed down to us or that, that maybe we've developed even just from kind of looking around that, that may look like they come into conflict with what the scriptures say. And so, so there's tension in that, okay? There's also in this conversation a fair amount of personal pain, okay? When we talk about unmet desires, when it comes to our desires for, for having a, a spouse or maybe our desires for having children or when it comes to the particular ways that, that, that we see the world. Maybe uh, uh, it's safe to assume that in this room there are those of us who know what the scriptures say but have wrestled with same-sex attraction or we've wrestled with not feeling at home in our bodies and gender dysphoria. These are real things, okay? And, and we want to say just up front that, that, like, we stand with you, right? If, as, you, as those of you who bring pain to this conversation, we stand with you, and we hear you, and we feel for you, and with you, okay? And many of those experiences are ours as well, okay? But as we jump into this, as we jump into this, um, we do have to know as well that we just can't say everything about this topic, okay? We can't say everything about this topic, like pretty much every topic that we come across, um, but we, and we're going to ask that, that you hang in with us. So we've been in this series in Genesis called First Things First. First Things First. And so far, here's where we've been, okay? Before we get into men and women, here's where we've been. We've, we've looked at, at, at uh, amongst the things that are said here in these early chapters of, of the Bible, Genesis chapters 1 and 2, and the next upcoming weeks, we're going to look at chapter 3, that, that God is a light bringer, an order maker, and, and a filler. Like, he brings light and order and filling. That's what he does, okay? And he tells us that in the very first page of the scriptures. He also tells us that, that we as people are made uniquely in his image, right? We are, we are unique in all creation made in his image. We also find, found out that, that God made rest for us, but he not only made rest for us, he also made work for us, right? He made rest and work for us and for our good. And today, in Genesis chapter 2, we're going to take a look at, at another act of God in creation. And we're going to start in verse 18. Start in verse 18. So it, it says this, and we're going to go a little bit a little slower through the scripture today maybe than sometimes that we do, but, but we're going to take this kind of step by step and look at what it says. Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 starts with this. It says, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man that he made, to, he, he made and put him in a garden and gave him work. He says, it is not good for that man to be alone. He says, I will make a helper suitable for him. 
okay? It's not good for the man to be alone. If you were, if you were with us last week, one of the things that, we, that, that I think is a little bit startling to us when we come to these early passages of Genesis is that it's not as idyllic as we might think uh, it ought to be. Right? Like God makes the garden and, 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 the, and, and he, he creates the world. He makes the garden. He puts the man in it. But, but there's things that are missing. Like he says, the, the garden needs someone to take care of it. Like there's these negative things that are said about it. It's missing something. And here in, in this verse, in verse 18, we get another negative. Right? The conditions as they existed at that point in time, God says it's inadequate. It's not good for this man to be alone. Okay? It wasn't perfect as it was at that point. It's not good for this man to be alone. And it says, God says, I'm going to give him, I'm going to make a helper for him. I'm going to make a helper. Now, um, we, we might think of like a helper as like the help, right? Like, like a servant, someone who, that's not really what this means. Helper means someone who, who fills in the missing pieces. Uh, like if you, you, you have, we have to take these two statements side by side and understand them against one another. It's not good for him to be alone. He's not good on his own. Those of us who've had like, you know, who, who, who um, are blessed with, with, with a spouse and that spouse goes away for any period of time, we know, this is an accurate statement, it's not good for the man to be alone, okay? Um, my, my wife is, and, and I'll, I'll reference uh, the wonderful ways that she has, has helped me and blessed me many times this morning. But, but I, I have, I've traveled a lot to the Dominican Republic. I've been there uh, 13, 14 times. Um, and uh, on those trips, my wife has gone with me only one time, okay? And I did all that over a span of about 12 years. I went, I went on about one trip a year. And, and the first year, okay, the first year that, that my wife went to the Dominican Republic and I stayed home, okay? This was, we were excited. We were talking about mixed. We were excited. It was going to be great. I had all the kiddos at home by myself. I got it planned out. The first day... The very first day I got a call from the school that there was head lice. <laughs> head lice in my kids' class, and they had found evidence on my child's head. Okay? It was not good for me to be alone. <laughs> I was struggling, right? But, but, but in all seriousness, like, there's, there's sort of like a big picture statement here. It's about a truth that runs deeper than just the circumstances. It's a statement of just about our very nature of being. It is, alone is not good. Alone is not good. We were not created to stand alone. We were not created to be on our own. So God, God provides a missing piece, he's gonna, and he's going to explain what that is and, and tell us more about it. He says, I will make a helper suitable for him. But before that, he's going to torture him a little bit, because look at what happens. Verse 19, now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. It's very interesting, because that's also very similar to what it says about, uh, in Genesis 2 about the man. God had formed the man out of the ground. Um, and, but what we find in this is that God is still in the work He's still in the business of forming like we saw in Genesis chapter 1. God's still forming. So it says God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. And then it says this, he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. That's a, that's a cool job. That's like a once in a forever 
thing, right? That happens one time, and we don't get to do that so much. Okay, so, so he gives him this job of naming. So we go, let's read on from there. Verse 20, so the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds, the sky, the wild animals, but then there's this big but, right? But for Adam, no suitable helper was found, okay? So, so he, he brings all the animals in front of Adam, okay? He shows him this is what it's like. This is, and you're naming them, and, he's in, and Adam's doing that work, and he sees them, but he, he also recognizes that there's no others like him, right? There's no one else like him. He's alone in this. So God says it's not good for him to be alone, but God also makes it clear to him that, that he, he, is in, he is alone. He is in this condition, Okay? So, so the, 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 the Adam's named them, but, but he recognizes that there's no one like him, okay? Now, this is somewhat of this is just speculation, right? Some of this is just some speculation, but perhaps this exercise was for, was for Adam's sake to understand the greatness of what God was about to do for him, the greatness of what God was about to do for him. So look at verse 21, okay? Verse 21. It says, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with its flesh. So he puts him to sleep, and he takes a rib. A little bit more speculation. Some scholars think that, that God took from Adam's rib as symbolically coming out of Adam's side, right? Side by side versus taking out of his back or taking out of his foot or whatever. Like that the bone God chose to do what he's about to do with came from Adam's side. So that there's parity standing shoulder to shoulder with one another, Okay. <laughs> God takes, um, God takes a rib from Adam, okay? God takes a rib from Adam, um, <clears throat> and he closes it back up. And then look at what it says here in verse 22, okay? And it says, the Lord God made the woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and then he brought him, or brought her to the man. So he, from that rib, and notice not from the ground, okay? Not from the ground, um, <clears throat> But, but God makes the woman, and God brings her to Adam. And, and this has got to be like, for those of us who, you know, who, who remember our wedding day, right? Remember that day? Remember that moment for those, for those who did, you know, saved, like, kind of followed the old rules of not seeing your bride until, you know, the, the, the moment of the ceremony, not, didn't do pictures before. Remember that moment? I remember it like it was yesterday, April 25th, 1998. Standing in that church and seeing my wife come around the corner. My, she was my wife, I guess, at that point. But seeing Christy come around the corner. Like, that's, it's, that's that, what a moment, right? It's, this is the, the, the first of those, the, the, the archetype of those. So God brings her to Adam, and, and this is his response. Look at what he says. He says, the man said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. So he, this act of naming he does again, right? She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Bone of my, she's the same as me, right? He saw all the other things in creation, and he said, there's nothing else here like me. But she is like me. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And the name he gives her woman, it's an interesting Hebrew word. It's actually a very similar word to the word man, and we, even in English, man and woman are very similar, right? But, but, very, but, but it actually sort of means like the same but other. Like it's very specific, okay? It's, it's very specific, and what it's saying is, like me, 
but not like me. That's what the, the original words mean. So, so she's like me, but not like me. And then the author here in Hebrews gives us this, this statement about it. It says, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh, right? This is why. This is, so we get a, a hint here that the, 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 the story has changed. It was, it was what God was doing. But now we understand that the story is told to us to explain to us why this thing happens. Why is it? Why is it that we honor marriage? Why is it that men and women have been doing this across cultures, across centuries, leaving their own families and coming together and joining new families? It's because God made it so. It's his purpose. It's his purpose. So, We've been looking at how to this point, but it switches to why, and together they're one, and, and it says this about them, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. I'm going to, I had some jokes about that. They don't feel right right now, okay? So, so we're going to keep moving. We're going to keep moving, okay? There's potential responses to what we just heard. There's potential responses, Okay. One response could be great. That explains it all. It's all good. Um, that's probably not many of us. Potential response could be like, um, well, that actually doesn't tell me very much about our current situation when it comes to, to marriage and manhood and womanhood. Um, so probably for a lot of us, it leaves us with this question of like, there's got to be more, right? There's got to be more. And I think the answer is absolutely yes, indeed, there is more. And I want to talk about the same thing we did last week when it came to work. I want to talk about purpose. Why, right? It tells us here in, 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 at the end of this, like, this is why this happens. So let's talk about the purpose. Let's talk about the purpose. Because in the, in the NIV, what we read is it says, this is why this happens. A man leaves his father and mother. The ESV, another English translation, says, therefore, right? Therefore, a man leaves his father and mother. The New American Standard Bible, a very word-for-word translation, says, for this reason, okay? Because men and women were created for one another, for this reason, it's getting at the purpose, the purpose in the design. It, there is a purpose. It, we, we need to, to see it, to recognize. And we've kind of, I believe we've already been told what that purpose is in the scriptures. In Genesis chapter 1, this, is, this will take us back to chapter 1. It'll take us back to a passage that Jeff shared with us about a month ago. But it says this in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, right? Look at what it says. It says, so God created mankind, people, in his image, in the image of God, he created them. Notice that it's plural. He created them in his image. And then it's this last line, male and female, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God's image is male and female. See, God, God himself is not gendered in biology the way we think of it, right? But both maleness and femaleness reflect God's image. And it's only with the two of them together that give us the full picture of who God is. It's when, when male and female together, our combined design reflects God's image. Our combined design reflects God's image. And look at the next verse in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28. It says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So, so he says, he makes them male and female in this, this perfect like, union with one another. The design of man, the design of woman was meant to go together, right? 
and for a reason. Look at what it says. He blessed them. He blessed them and said, be fruitful. Increase in number. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Right? What, is it, what, what other work have we seen God do in Genesis chapter 1? What did he do? He filled and he formed. He brought order to the chaos. Look at what it means to be made in God's image, male and female. Okay? To be made in God's image, male and female. Okay? It's filling. It's subduing. It's forming. It's it's bringing order to the chaos of the world around us. And we do that, the the scriptures tell us, we do that together, man and woman. We were built for this. We were built for this. Now, we do something culturally that we need to recognize, okay? And we need to be warned about. We need to be warned to not confuse the blessing and the purpose. The blessing and the purpose. Look at verse 28. God blessed them and said to them. There's two things in there, right? There's a blessing, and then there's a commandment. There's a blessing and a commandment. They're not the same. They're not the same. And here's what we mean about this, okay? Here's what we mean. It's an important distinction. And failing to recognize the distinction has led to all kinds of trouble. The purpose of maleness and femaleness is not the good stuff that we get to experience because of it. It's not the romance, The romance is part of the blessing, but it's not the purpose. God did not make male and female so that we could be affirmed romantically by someone else. That's not why he made male and female. That's not part of the design. He didn't make, like, my wife and I enjoy laughing together and just being together. It's a blessing, but it's not the purpose. The purpose is filling and forming our world, and doing that together. Expanding God's loving reign through children, yes, but more through through service to God. We do that together with one another. The blessing of God is that he he brought so much pleasure into fulfilling our purpose together. The blessings of marriage— the comforts, the pleasures, all of those things. All of those things are God's blessing as we go about fulfilling our purpose that he gave us. Do we understand the distinction? And if we replace the purpose with the blessing, we will be sorely disappointed. If we try to make the blessing the purpose, will be disappointed. My wife does not exist to, just to please me. She does. I find pleasure in being with her. That's not why she exists. That's not what she was made for, designed for. And the same is true for me to her. All right, I promised. We're going to move on. Okay. So in this series, <clears throat> in this series, we've talked first things first, right? Which means first in like order that they're given to us, but also first in their importance. Okay, first in their importance. And if this is the case, that they're first in their importance, there's another passage of scripture later on that we need to, to read through. And um, I'm gonna, it's, it's in Ephesians chapter five. It's very difficult. <laughs> it's very difficult and I'm shaving 10 minutes from it. So I'm asking for an extra dose of your grace. Okay? Um, 
In Ephesians chapter five, Paul, Paul takes two things and he weaves them together, okay? He takes marriage and he takes the church and he weaves them together. So I wanna read through this and I'm gonna read through it and I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip an awful lot of commentary that might be helpful in another, another time and setting, okay? But, but we're, gonna, we're gonna read through this passage together and I wanna just observe a few things when we get to the end, okay? Verse 20, Ephesians chapter five, verse 21, it starts right off the bat with things that we, some of us really don't wanna hear, but it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. First things first, this whole thing that we're about to read is about submitting to one another, okay? That there's a posture that God invites us into and it is a posture of, of mutual submission. I submit to what's best for you, you submit to what's best for the person, your neighbor next to you. That's the big picture. We cannot ignore that, okay? But it goes on to say, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is a savior. Keep reading. I don't want to talk about that. Verse 24, I, we will, but give me a minute. Now the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as, as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, okay? For we are members of his body for this reason. This is, why the, this is why we have to talk about this in light of Genesis chapter two. It's the same, Paul is gonna quote Genesis chapter two. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. And now look at what Paul says and I think this is the key. We can get bogged down in all the talk about submission. We can. We can get bogged down in trying to iron out all the things that culturally wrinkle this passage for us. But look at what Paul says this passage is really about. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. And as you go back through this, if you look at this passage again, he's not kidding. We've, we have often said, Paul's talking about marriage and he's using Christ and the church to help us illustrate and understand marriage. But Paul says, I'm talking about Christ in the church, and I'm illustrating it by talking about marriage. Do we understand the distinction? It's an important one, that if we skip this verse, we can really get our thinking twisted up here. He's saying that, that marriage is a picture of Christ in the church. That our ultimate purpose is fulfilled in living out Christ in the church in ways that we see it lived out in our relationships to one another, husbands and wives. And he says, this is a profound mystery. It's a profound mystery. Meaning, there are no simple answers here. If Paul thought this was complicated and difficult, if he thought it, that it was a profound mystery, then why do we think that we can just get it out of the way with a simple phrase? That we can just turn a page and say like, no, I've got this. I've, I've got the answers here. He's talking about Christ in the church 
And that's, I think that's even reinforced in the last verse of this section of verse 33 where he says, however, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. He's, he's talking about two things at once. But he's saying primarily I'm talking about Christ in the church. That the design of marriage, the design of the, the husband and the wife, it was not about personal fulfillment. It was not about even like, like family legacy. It was not about me having my needs met, my need for, for having someone in my life. It's not, about, it's not about having my need for being loved met. It's not about that. The purpose, the design of marriage is meant to show us something deeper about God. And it's the relationship between Christ and the church. In an effort to tie things all together very quickly, okay, we actually, I think, talked about this idea in week one. Because what did we say the purpose of marriage is in Genesis chapters one and two? Fill the earth, fill the earth, and subdue it. Make order of it. If you, if, if you remember back, and you don't, but I do, so I'm going to remind you. Look at, Paul is talking about this theme all throughout the book of Ephesians. Look at what he said in chapter one. This is the last little section of what we call chapter one. It says, God placed all things under his, he's talking about Christ, under Christ's feet and appointed him, Christ, to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. What is the purpose of the church? To fill the world with what? The love of God. And people who love God and serve him. That's the purpose of the church. And are you ready for this? It's also the purpose of marriage. It's the purpose of our engenderedness with one another, male and female. Right? The purpose that we find at the beginning of God's story, God made them male and female in his image and blessed them and said, now you go, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, bring the earth under your work of, 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 that I'm sharing with you, your work of, of, of bringing it under submission. Go do it, image bearers. And as you do it, you do it uniquely and specially with one another, male and female. You see, it's marriage that gives us clues as to what God's purpose is. And his purpose is still the forming and filling of this world. And one way that he does that, one way, it's not the only way, it's not the exclusive way, but one way he does that is through our relationships and marriage with one another, male and female. It was that, he, he designed it that way at the beginning and it's still that way today for the purpose of Christ as the head of the church filling everything with every, every purpose comes from him. And it's lived out in our relationships. So skip that. Let's go to this. Here's what it's not about, okay? We've said this. It's not about romance. Well, it's not, it doesn't mean romance needs cut out of your life. Husbands, right? Like, that's not what we're saying. But romance is not the purpose, right? The purpose is together, Submitting to the rule of Christ, honoring God, filling the earth with others who love him. Yes, through procreation, but not exclusively, through ministry together, serving with one another, our neighbors. 
It's also not good, still not good to be alone. Okay? Now, now what is this? We had all kinds of good stuff on singleness today. Okay? Like, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is what's beautiful about it. Okay? The purpose that God gives to man and woman is every bit fulfilled in single people as it is in married people. His purpose is to fill the earth with others who love him. Others who who have placed their faith in his, his son Jesus and are now being formed into the image and way of Jesus. And single people, this is, it is your purpose as much as anyone else's. And you can't do that alone. It's done in community. So none of this like it's just me and Jesus business. Jesus does not respect that position. Okay? But also, marriage is not our identity. Our identity is image bearers of, of Christ. God. We represent him. That's our identity. We honor him with our lives. We honor him with our marriages. We, if we try to replace our identity as image bearers of Christ with, with being married, we miss what God's telling us about our purpose. Okay? Marriage seeks to serve our purpose. It is not the purpose itself. Okay? Will you pray with me? God, um, continue to pray for Julie. I was going to say that. And my wife, as she's with her, thank you for, um, thank you for people here who uh, love and care, and you've gifted and skilled with work to help take care of us in our moments of need. And we trust that you'll continue to do that. But God, we also thank you for, for filling our lives with meaning and purpose. We thank you for, for providing <clears throat> providing community to do that within. We thank you for the gift of our maleness and our femaleness that we all reflect you. God, we trust you with our, our lives and our futures. We give our longings to you. We give our, our thinking to you. And um, we just praise you and thank you for all the, the good that you do. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Let's pray. God, once again, we just thank you um, for your purpose for us, for loving us, and wanting to invite us into your kingdom, God. Would you help us to call back on your faithfulness, to go with purpose into our world, to guide others to you. God, we just love you, and we pray again for Julie and the Burns family. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being with us this morning. Uh, we still want to invite you to a couple of things. The first is we got to hear from our Honduras team this morning, uh, and they shared about their incredible experience and what God did through them uh, in Honduras just a few weeks ago. And so we want to invite you to check out. Uh, the signups are up right now for our February trip next year. Uh, so we want to tell you to go and check that out. Along with that, we're having a baptism info meeting. It's going to be right behind me. Just look for me if you are interested. We'd love to talk to you about that. 
We will see you in your small groups, and we'll see you next Sunday. Have a great day.